Hello and welcome back to the Abbey England Podcraft Season 3. My name is Ishbel Watson and this season we have some great guests lined up for you. So what's this podcast all about? Well, it's all about discussing industry insights with our fellow suppliers, customers and leading industry experts within the saddlery and leather trade. In today's episode, you will be hearing from the British Equestrian Trade Association's Executive Director and Secretary, Claire Williams. Hello everyone and welcome to the Abbey England Podcraft Season 3. To kickstart this season, we have the British Equestrian Trade Association Executive Director, Claire Williams, joining us. Claire, thank you so much for your time this morning. We're so grateful to have you. How are you? I'm well, thank you, Ishbel. Delighted to be part of this. Oh, wonderful. Well, we have lots of exciting questions to get through, uh, quite a long list. But for the purpose of the podcast, because the British Equestrian Trade Association is quite a mouthful, we will be referring it to what's more commonly known as BETA throughout the podcast. So that's just a heads up to everyone who is listening. So for a bit of background, BETA was formed in 1979 and has grown to be recognised and accepted as the official representative body for the equestrian manufacturing, wholesale and retail trade. It's got over 800 members, so you have a huge voice amongst the industry. So today, Claire, I'd really like to talk to you um, and discuss the importance of maintaining industry standards, how you ensure these standards are upheld and the recent campaigns you've been running. So to kick it all off, um, well, actually, if, I'm just going to throw a bit of a, a curveball for now. Um, I just wanted to know how you got into, into the role, if that's OK, if we can just kick start with that question. Uh, yeah, in fact, <laughs> I owe my, um, my I, owe, I owe being here to horse and hound, would you believe? Um, oh, really? Because I uh, am a New Zealander, in case my mm. accent throws people, not from North Yorkshire. Um, which is Have you I had say that before? No, yeah, people say, where are you from? And I say North Yorkshire, and they say that's not a North Yorkshire accent. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so my parents were British. They immigrated to New Zealand a long time ago. I was born there, brought up, and then was offered a job in Germany by a company. It was Sheepskin Tannery. So mm-hmm. leather is very something close to my close to my heart because I worked yeah. for a sheepskin tannery for many years, um, really, and I really useful to know. Yeah, yeah surprising. Love, yeah, yeah <laughs> tanning. I worked in the tannery before going to Germany. Um, I used to work for prior to that. I worked for Department of Trade and Industry in the export mm. department, and my role there was to help companies develop their export markets. And then Bauron was one of my clients, and they came to me and said, "Do you speak?" German and would you like to go to Germany for us so off I went and I spent 10 years there developing their European export markets um, from Iceland to Turkey and from Russia to Portugal which I loved it was really interesting taught me lots I ran the business we had a huge um, warehouse so I was I'm afraid very well aware of the challenges of running a company and exporting Mm. a pre-single market because I lived it And so um, I was based there for that time. And then on one of my trips back to the UK, because the UK was one of our important markets, um, my partner, actually at the time um, now, um, thrust me a copy of Horse and Hound Mm. and said, have a look at this job advert. I think it would be perfect for you. And it was the advertisement for what was described then as the chief exec and secretary of BETA. 
And it, oh. very, very aware. It was 1999 in December, and I was on my way back to New Zealand. And um, long story short, when I got back, I applied for it, went for an interview, and I ended up um, at Beta. So if he hadn't seen that ad in Horse and Hound, <laughs> I wouldn't be here today. That's that's how I got here. A bit of an unusual, nothing to do with the equine industry. I started riding very late. I didn't come to riding until my mid-20s once I'd finished mm. university. Always loved horses and just thought I'd love to combine my love of horses with a job. But that didn't mean I had to muck them out every day. Yeah. Well, to be honest, with a resume like that, I'm uh, I'm not surprised that they... <laughs> They took you up on your on your offer. Um, wow, what what an experience you've had and a career you've had and all those skills that you've brought to the beta role. Um, yeah, I'm impressed. Richard will love the fact that you uh, worked for a tannery at some point, so I'll definitely tell him that. <laughs> yeah, I love it. And I'm very passionate about sheepskin and um, the benefits of sheepskin versus synthetic. Yeah. So I'm a big leather fan. I know exactly how it's prepared and and it's and I actually it's really useful to know in the equestrian trade to mm. my uh, one of my clients actually in the West Country. Yeah. Um who I sold sheepskin to was one of my refer- was one of my references um for my beta job Peter Lewis oh, who a lot of people oh. in the saddlery trade will know. So yeah. Peter Peter was my reference for the my job application when I came to beta. Oh, how brilliant. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> well, um, now we've had sort of a bit of background about you, um, let's move on to Beta. Um, and for those listeners that perhaps aren't a member, can you provide an overview of what Beta provides for its members? Gosh, lots of benefits. I mean, Beta is a business association. So I'll always say if you are looking for help and support and advice, mm-hmm. um, in the good times and the bad, then you really should belong to a trade association because mm. we're there for you to help and support your business. I mean, I suppose our, our mission statement is to work to support our members and their efforts to achieve the highest levels of repute, knowledge and profitability. So that's pretty much what we do. And we do that by offering our members a wide range of service top of that probably for a lot of people is advice and support and lobbying Mm -hmm. and representation. So we're there to represent all of our members to the wider industry, whether that be to local government, international governments, and and really be there to shout out and look after their interests. So during COVID, we spent a lot of time giving our members advice on what to do, how they could operate, mm. um, what assistance was there for them. Um, and so that's really, for, for some of our members, we're their insurance policy. If yeah. something goes wrong, they know we're there to help. Um, so that's a key one. We do, we often, what we call negotiated um business services Uh, so when suppliers offer our members good rates for whatever that might be so to enable our members to save money and run their business more efficiently whether that be HR business advice sort of legal advice insurance down to stationery and we've got some new ideas coming through um, in terms of mass printing of of certain packaging options but even to 
um, the supply, for example, of electricity. That's one with it, or an energy that, oh, that we're looking at. Yeah, if we could get a good deal, absolutely, that would be really important. We also provide our members with a lot of stats and research to help them develop their markets and see where in the country they might like to develop their businesses further. Um, We offer product approval schemes where for the end user, we are probably best known by that label on their body protector. And so we, we wrote and set up the first body protector standard in the um, late late 70s, early 80s, um, and that is now the beta body protector standard. We run a NOPS, which is naturally occurring prohibited substances, um, assurance scheme for feed and supplement manufacturers, and also horse bedding manufacturers. And we're looking at maybe expanding that out to new areas such as topicals and also stirrups. So lots happening on the safety front. A lot of people associate beta with safety. We offer networking opportunities um, and member engagement, whether that be at one of our conferences. We run two or three conferences a year. We offer member visits. We're doing some, Mm. we're going back to doing member visits. So we're going hopefully to the Tower of London this year, which we did last, uh, yeah, last year, which was really brilliant. And other places like um, Mount St. John Stud, which is local, relatively local to us. And that's where amazing horses come from, like Charlotte's um, Mount St. John uh, series of mares that she rides. We are also offering engagement with some of our working groups. So we're in the middle of setting up a a working group to deal with social license and look at the role that the trade can play in insurance, that that public perception of the way we keep and ride our horses allows us to continue to do so. Um, And then probably the reason actually why BETA was set up in the first place is still one of our biggest benefits, and that's our trade fair, BETA International. That really is a benefit, of course, the wider trade benefit, but members get preferential rates and benefit from us running that. And also Equestrian Trade News, which is the magazine, which is independently edited, but which we publish, which is really the go-to place for what's new and happening in the equestrian industry. And then last but not least, training. We offer yeah. a lot of training courses. That's that's changed quite a bit post-COVID, but we run, um, whether that be on fitting equipment, we run a Lorinry bits and bitting course, which I know is close to Abby's heart yeah. as well. We also run the, um, we run the introductory course for the principles of saddle fitting together with the Society of Master Saddlers. That's a joint course. And we also do that overseas. So lots happening on the training front as well. It's really very impressive the scope of work that you guys do as an organisation. Um, and I just wanted to touch on a couple of things that you just spoke about. Um, firstly, the the one um, during COVID and your point that obviously businesses were relying on you for advice. Did you get as many businesses as you expected or were some businesses not aware that you were offering such support during COVID? Just wanted to find out a little bit more about that, if that's OK. I think um, they a lot of members suddenly realised why we were there. Um, I right. tended uh, they suddenly <laughs> realised why they were a member and why they'd mm. been paying those subs for so many years. Um, so I had I, I had a policy of every time a government um, statement came out, I would go through it and pick out the key points so that yeah. every single member got an email from me whenever there was something new. And I think I know they appreciated that because frankly. I send lots of emails. Yeah, it's a lot to get through, but I send emails out regularly and 
I see that they're red and that's it. But for the first time, and sometimes in, in about the length of the time I'd been at Beta, mm. companies started actually writing back and saying thank you, yeah. or that's made a difference. So I knew that they needed that advice. Um, we did pick up new members. Did you? That's really good. I, I, I really, I can remember a call from a lady who was in a small retail shop. Mm. Her, um, it was a family business. Her father and her uncle were vulnerable, so they couldn't come into the shop. They had to stay at home. Yeah. And she was in the shop with her dog and had basically lived there during Gosh. one of the lockdowns. And she was still trading. She was allowed to, but she didn't know what to do. And I said, look, I'll help you. And I wasn't going to mm. say no, but she then did join Beta. And so I that's the sort of thing that I knew made a difference. So I think just about every member benefited in some way, shape or form. But it did, I think, highlight to a lot of people the importance of being part of that community. Yes. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, and just emphasise the importance of of beta being around really for, for mm. many businesses. Um, the other point I wanted to touch on was that you mentioned about the data, because um, I noticed three days ago, beta launched the National Equestrian Survey 2023. So it's just um, an opportunity to remind our listeners that if they have uh, spare minutes to go on and fill it out, because it helps beta to understand what is happening in the rider and horse population and how much is being spent and on what and for marketers like myself and for businesses the information you get and publish is so important and it's 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 so interesting as well um especially when you assume one thing and actually the results are saying something else so i can probably dig out the link from you claire and i can always attach it to the podcast in the description if, if you would like me to do that that's no problem yeah. In fact, it depends when we go live. So there yeah. might be a second, a third one. So the National Equestrian Survey, as you quite rightly say, is um, we do it every four to five years because it's such a big project. It's yeah. a three, it's a three-phase project. So phase one we did um, late last year, and that is a independent survey done by Cantar on our behalf, where we go out to the national population. So it's not horse riders per se; yeah. it's the national population, and from that we can then get the portion of the national population that rides and owns and keeps horses. And then we move on to phase two and stage three. And that is drilling down at two riders and owners, whether that be leisure or professional, yeah. to start to understand what they're spending, um, how much they're spending and what they're spending it on. That's stage two that we've got now. And that closes at the end of January. And then we will move on to stage three, which is looking in more detail at the brands and the type of products they're buying. And that is really valuable. So that tells us the types of feed people are using as well as the brands, yeah. the type of clothing, saddlery. So from that, we also understand which brands of saddles, how often they replace we're going to be asking about fitting. So do they use a saddle fitter? Who do they use? So it's it's really, really key data from an yeah. independent source. Um, a beneficial to all your members, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And to, whether to members, non-members can access it, but they pay for it and they pay more for it. So, um, yeah, I, I'm a I'm bit like, it sounds like you are, I am a data geek. I If, if I'm asked to do a questionnaire, I will do it because <laughs> I'm just interested yeah. in how people do it. And I think the data we gather is key. We also have a national, we have a research panel that we set up quite a few years ago, and that contains 
a cross-section of the rider and owner population, which is always available, which we can dip in and out of and do quick surveys. And that we can do specifically for companies if they have a particular need. So we've done those for a bedding company who needed to understand what their customers and what the general population of riders' um, opinion on sustainability and sourcing yeah. both raw material and packaging. So that's another tool that we have to add to our research bow. Yeah, that's great. I think the last one was published in 2019, wasn't it? I think yeah. I remember reading it. Um, yeah, it was really good. Um, so moving on, I just want to get your perspective on what does the beta logo stand for? Is it a stamp of approval? Does it provide reassurance for potential buyers? What is it? What is it to you? All and yeah, those mm. two are really important. We use the strap line um, acting in your interest but also for um, expert uh, advice and quality service. So whether we like it or not, the beta logo is seen as a stamp of quality. Um, We can't guarantee every product, and I'm always very clear, if it's got an assurance mark on, then that assurance mark tells you what it is. But we know that if people are going on somebody's website and they see the beta logo, to them that means that there's somebody standing behind the company. And that's pretty much what we are. We are there Mm. to say, if something happens, if you're not happy, if you don't feel you've been fairly treated, then if they're a beta member, you can come to us. We can't always put it right, Mm. but we can help maybe to negotiate a solution. Doesn't always work and it's tough sometimes to do, but the knowledge is that we're there. So um, it's for reassurance for a lot of people to know that they've gone through an application procedure. We've checked what the company has said about mm. themselves and we've offered them membership. And and it's not a given. People don't re- people phone me and say, can I become a member? Can I give you my money and then sign me up now? Yeah. No, it doesn't work quite like that. There is an application procedure. Um, and, and I think because we are... Um, we go through that procedure, the membership mm. means something to people, which we're really pleased about. So it sounds like so you, you act on behalf of both the buyer and the seller in terms of obviously if the if the buyer has an issue with the, the business, then you're open to them coming to you and you can give some advice or help navigate that tricky situation perhaps. Yeah, and in fact, to trading standards, you allow, if you if you have an issue, you know, mm. for a lot of people, they go to their trading standards officer or their local authority, and the local authority will often say, are they a member of a trade association? Go to the trade right, association okay. first. So we do tend to get people come to us um, to try and, you know, as a first option. So yes, we're there to, to, mm. to both... To, to work on behalf of our members, but also because that logo is in the public domain and we have a, a face to the end user, they yeah. do see us um, as that source of, yeah, also yeah. advice. I, I'm always astounded at how many people call us, I'm going to buy this hat, I'm not sure what standard it's to, or, um, really? oh, we get huge numbers of queries. You wouldn't believe the type of queries we get sometimes, both from end users, from media. I can mm. remember once, I think BBC phoned us because they were going to do a um, one of those celebrity things. Mm. And at some stage, the, the celebrities were going to ride a camel and they phoned me to ask what sort of hat they should wear. <laughs> wow. <laughs> But you were able to deliver that advice, though. So. Of course we were. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, 
you also mentioned about uh, the application process and it's not the case that anyone could just hand over their money and become a member. So can you tell us a little bit about the criteria for businesses to become uh, a beta member? Yeah, the, we have a number of different categories. Um, okay. A trade member, retail member, associate, they tend to be the three key ones. Um, and then for each of the categories, they have slightly different criteria. So for a retailer, uh, they've got to have appropriate business premises or mm-hmm. um, or if they're working, for example, out of a farm, they've got to have appropriate premises. They have to have regular opening hours that are clear. They have to carry enough stock to meet the mem- to meet the um, the requirements of their orders. So and as well as general business, you know, be of, of good reputation. So yeah. we do look at those we we for example we require photos of retail um, premises whether they're online or bricks and mortar so we ask to see photos we ask for references and the references we get aren't really do you pay your bills on time it's Mm. more do you are, are you running a reputable and reliable business so that's the sort of questions we ask about um, for our trade or rather supply sector, so Abby um, yep. is a trade member, um, we ask again similar criteria. We ask you to fill in declaration of trading policy, which tells us how you trade, just so that we understand the type of business you're running um, and also have a code of conduct that people comply with. And it's all about treating customers fairly um, and honestly uh, and associate it similar. So it's all around are you a, a reliable and a quality company that we are happy to um, allow you to use the beta logo because all members have the right to use the beta logo. Yeah so touching on that then and obviously your logo is on people's businesses and it represents quality reassurance trust so how does beta check that all of its members maintain and keep to the beta standards? Like so I know um, I know it, it's it must be very difficult and you and you probably can't do it for every single like I said single product but generally speaking are, are the checks in place or how do you um, go about doing that there is depends on what they are so if you're one of our assurance scheme members that use the assurance logos um in some of those cases there's an annual audit so mm-hmm. for example for um the NOP scheme there is an annual audit for the body protector scheme there is a retest every year so that helps us yeah. uh, be comfortable with the fact that the products continue to meet our standards when it's product related. If it's company related, frankly, we rely on other people telling us if they're not doing it right. Because yeah. with with those people will. And they do. Oh yes, yeah. they definitely do. <laughs> um and so we rely on really that. And on we know the industry, we hear a lot of things. So if there is concerns and to be honest, we very rarely find companies are going offline. And if they are, we will we try and speak to them to make certain they get back on track. But it's not yeah. very often that that happens, luckily. And that's reassuring, isn't it? Yeah, it is very. <laughs> well, um, next, I want to move on to your summer and safety campaign, which kicked off in 2021 and then repeated in 2022. So, Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about that campaign and what inspired it? It was, um, we've always had, prior to COVID, we always used to do a safety week. Mm. um, And its focus was very much on hat and body protector checking, and it was usually pre-season. And then what happened during COVID, we noticed a real jump in 
an interest in safety. And, you really? Know, for, yeah. I guess people's mindset were just perhaps turned on. Yeah, to, very, it was fascinating. Yeah, health and safety. Yeah, because for years we'd, you know, safety's never particularly sexy or interesting, and yeah. and it was, it, was always, <laughs> it was a hard sell. And then all of a sudden, people were really interested, and our retailers were saying, "Oh, everybody wants to buy a new hat, and everybody wants to buy a new body protector, and everybody wants to have everything checked." Oh, um, okay. And we thought, actually, let's try and make the safety campaign longer because we were mm. coming out of COVID. We hadn't done anything. We thought, actually, let's just expand our coverage because everybody is interested in such a wide area and safety is really at the heart mm. of what beta does whether that be um equipment safety rider safety tax safety saddle safety feed safety and so when we actually listed it out we thought gosh there's a lot to cover here and we were trying to also offer our our whole breadth of members the chance to be involved and with just hats and body protectors we're really focusing down into a small area so we said okay let's just look at all aspects of safety that pertain to horses and riders so we did horse health and safety rider health and safety road safety it was a bit of a big one and it mm. kept <laughs> us really busy but it just seemed to to hit hit the right point yeah. with both our members and the end users so after the first year we then revisited it last year and decided we'd instead of having a focus on sort of a fortnight on each topic we just mix it up and last year we ran it um for 70 days because of the jubilee yeah. um and we just jigged it around a bit but it's just again seemed to meet 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 what both members and the end users wanted lots of competitions lots of good giveaways um that's really good yeah we yeah. went to bowlsworth and did a safety hub with bowlsworth which is the first time we been to a pure show jumping event before so yeah it, it just seemed to to work by widening the approach and and um focusing on areas yeah we we, we talked for example we did a series of little videos on tech safety and mm -hmm. and what yeah. you needed to focus on how to clean your tech which i'm rubbish at um that, but that kind of, of stuff is really important especially if it's drying yeah. out and and people aren't noticing and it's it really important yeah exactly yeah. and some tips and tricks um one of our saddlers we had on said oh when you're cleaning your saddle and you're stripping it down swap the stirrup leathers over from side to side really good tip because when you get on you okay, always get yeah. on from the same side oh yeah so it's obviously a more tension yeah yep so that's sort of really, really good little tips. So, so that's that's what we did, and then we are we are looking at running it again this year as well because oh, it that's just great to hear. Yeah, it just it gives the members an opportunity to get involved. We do it mainly on social media, but our retailers get involved and do in-store displays, and it enables them to talk about safety in a slightly different way with the customers. Yeah, and it's it's definitely good for them. I think sometimes with the sort of the online tutorials and the the amount of content that's on there these days, just talking from our experience, you know, we get lots of inquiries um, saying, "Oh, my bridle's broken. What would you recommend?" And it and it's you know, it's not on Abby to recommend. It's like you need to take this to a professional saddler um, and, and get it fixed. You know, there's no way you should be you you should be uh, treating this yourself. And um, we always reply with that answer and sometimes people are shocked because I think they they watch a video and they feel that they are competent enough to repair and 
obviously our, our saddlers, our bridle makers, our harness makers, you know, years of training and experience and it's, you just, you just can't. Um, so yeah, if we, I mean, we, we still do get some inquiries like that. Um, but if anyone did want to catch up on the 2021 and 2022 campaigns, they're all on your YouTube, Beta's YouTube channel, aren't they? Yeah, all they the are. videos are there, and some of them are quite nice and short, just to you know to to be able to absorb all that information, and it doesn't take too long. So I definitely recommend having a look and subscribing to the Beta channel if you haven't already done so. Thank you. So uh, <laughs> no problem. The next, I wanted to come on to your most recent campaign. Um, so on the 14th of January, Beta launched its Winter of Welfare and Wellbeing campaign. Could you tell our listeners a little bit more about that campaign? And again, what's what's the purpose of it? Um, it's really a, a to highlight both horse and human welfare and well-being. Normally, mm-hmm. we're always talking about the safety in relation to horses um, or, or welfare of horses, and we just wanted to turn it around a bit. It came out of conversations we had late last year regarding, again, social licence, which is all about the public perception and acceptance of riding. And we really wanted to step onto the front foot and actually say, we love our horses and we look after our horses and this is how we do it. They're not just things that we get on and ride. They are our companions. They are part of the family. And especially at this time of year where, you know, I've got two horses. Actually, I hardly ride them at this time of year just because yeah. of the weather and the darkness. But it doesn't mean I can just put them in the field and ignore them. So it's it's really about giving people the opportunity to understand how we look after them, what we do for them. Yeah. Um, and also look at us because it is that time of year where it's dark in the evenings and because we can't get out on our horses actually for a lot of us that's really key to our own health and well-being yeah, so imagine. what else what else can we do with our horses so we've got a fantastic range of speakers um, mm. looking at um, rider fitness mental health um, yeah. horse fitness horse physio, what you can do with your horse, what sort of things you need to be concerned about with your horse at this time of year. If you can't ride them, what else can you do? Um, Getting ready for the season ahead, um, checking and cleaning your bits, for example, Um, looking at your bridles and your saddles, what you should be doing to prepare them for the year ahead. So it's really a big focus. And at this time of year, we just thought it fills that gap, which can be a bit long, January into February. As a rider, as a rider, we're all hanging out for March. You know, the clock's going going back is key for a lot of people. That's when the season starts. So we thought we'd just really have that slightly different focus and and involve members in a different way and ask people to tell their own stories. And, you know, we have we had a great input from Simple Systems um, mm. that they do their own podcast, just looking at um, actually what is, you know, everybody thinks of riding perhaps as being glamorous or and actually you sometimes there's that Instagram image of what riding is and the reality, the reality. of the mud. Yeah. Yeah, I, I saw your Instagram post actually. Read Instagram, Instagram post with the comparison of the the lovely sunny fields um, and the, the winter mud. <laughs> yeah, and you know, asking anybody true. who rides, it's yeah. just a good torches. reminder. What could you do without a head torch? You know, yeah. I was I was feeding at six o'clock this morning with my head torch. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the reality versus the myth. Um, so yeah, slightly different for us, but we've been really pleased at the interest um, yeah. and the take up of it. The um, engagement. 
yeah, really good engagement. Yeah, very good engagement, actually. So I've got um, I'm doing a recording myself with somebody um, with Tracy Cole, who's all about mindset and actually your frame of mind and how you can change your mindset and thinking positively. So, yeah, really interesting. I'm really looking forward to some of them. That's brilliant. So where can people access um, these these conversations and where's the best place? Oh, there's loads. So we do it live to Facebook and LinkedIn. So on our uh, Facebook and LinkedIn pages. And then I post the video on Instagram as well. So it's available on Instagram and then they'll all be on YouTube. And then hopefully I'll be um, also doing them on the beta podcast, which we haven't got too many on. But I'm it's a slightly irregular series, not as well organized as yours. Um, well. that we that we speak to people from the industry and we always put those up on on um, podcasts as well so loads of channels oh that would be great so yeah so no excuse for people to miss that miss it really no <laughs> um next I want to move on to Beta International which uh, which you said at the beginning of the podcast that obviously it was the main the main thing about Beta and it's a great opportunity to bring the trade together and, and open real networking opportunities um Obviously, during COVID, you guys couldn't put on the show, which must have been incredibly difficult. So how has the show changed since COVID? And it's, how have you managed it? It's, um, yeah, it was difficult. The, um, we missing, missing that, that first um, event was difficult. We mm. had always intended to move. So the biggest change for most people when they come to Better International is it's no longer at the NEC. It's now at Stonely, which for a lot of the people. The lovely venue. Just, yeah, it is. It's a, such an easy venue. It's a lovely venue. Um, it is easy to access, um, easy parking. It's just just a joy. Um, and it's got two halls, really, really nice halls. So people will notice a different look, a different feel. We've got we've changed some of the features around. We have a new product gallery. We have new product awards. We have still got our seminars so we've still got the seminar area um, seminars are great yeah honest. they're really good yeah, and I think really it's just, yeah it's just a bit more relaxed I think than at the NEC but still the same people same sorts of companies um same sort of offering but the key is it's that networking opportunity and I think that's come out of COVID as people now value that opportunity to see people yeah mm. you know so much is now done as we're doing this online um which is great saves a lot of time but i still think nothing beats seeing people having those conversations and particularly when you're buying product touching and feeling yeah. and actually seeing the products and reminding themselves why they're doing business with some of these companies um it's that relationship those personal relationships that are so key so yeah and, and i think that's that's going to just continue so same same show slightly different format mm. um was it quite challenging for you guys um in 2021 when you when you did the first show um post covid to sort of draw people back or were they still in that mindset that covid still very much around very anxious uh i don't think i'm i'm ready to go into a large environment with lots of people like that yeah it, it was really challenging and and you know that's the thing uh trade shows are different now and mm. the visitor numbers weren't as they were at the nec but they won't be um but the quality of conversations i think was better i think there was still a great deal of concern and part of me 
say you know i say this to a lot of people they say oh they weren't you know the people who were there were the ones that should have been there and the exhibitors all found it incredibly useful and did good business but the number of visitors weren't what they were and that was solely due to covid so part of me thinks oh maybe we shouldn't have run because people say oh there weren't you know there weren't as many visitors as there were at the nec but equally for those who were there they really valued having the opportunity and we had to I think yeah. it was our, you know, we are a trade association working for our members yeah. and our members wanted us to run it. So we ran it. And that's really important because people have to remember every one of our members are owners of the trade fair. You yeah. know, you're, you're all shareholders in the trade fair. And if there ever times comes a time where members say we don't want it, then we won't run it. But as long as members say we need it and we want it, we will continue to run it. And I think that's really key. And so that's why it was so good last year in 22 to see the numbers go increase up and again. increase. And what was important as well is that a lot of people still didn't come, but we know why they didn't come. And we did a, um, a visitor questionnaire afterwards of those who'd registered to come that didn't. And I was astounded at how many people had actually not been well, that they were still ill. And right, so okay. a, a yeah. large chunk of those who had registered but didn't turn up actually said it's because we weren't well or somebody yeah. in the family wasn't well. So there was still that you know, committed but just yeah, unfortunately yeah still committed but couldn't yeah exactly so I, I know there is still that interest and that desire and mm. um frustrating though it is seeing people who should be have a stand there but still come for the networking and I mm. think that says that there is a role for the show um and so we're building on last year we're very grateful we still have our, our sponsor for a record, I think it's the 10th year from Noya Shula supporting. And in fact, Abby, you were also a previous, you're a previous sponsor of Beta International. (laughs) Um, So they're continuing their support. We, what's new this year is a couple of things. Oh, brilliant, because um, I wanted to ask you. Yeah, uh, sorry, what can jumping people expect in. this year? Yeah. No, it's great, go, and, um, go ahead. We are doing a two-day show, not a three-day show. Yes, um, I noticed that. Yeah, everybody has, not everybody, a lot of our exhibitors have for years mm. said, do you really need to have a three-day show? Can't we do it over two days? Um, yeah. Because... It, it's it, it, people do decide you know come for one or one and a bit days and we all know that on Tuesday afternoons some are busy I'm running around like a mad person saying can I have another day um yeah and there are some exhibitors that do work right up to the closing time but others don't and so we asked again this year and there was an overwhelming indication again yes let's go for two days and let's let's concentrate those visitors over two days instead of letting them spread over three so we're going two days which will help many businesses as well won't they for cost of hotels and travel yeah it does does. and it also enabled us to keep the costs of the show the same because Mm -hmm. our costs were going to go through the roof like everyone else's businesses facing cost increases we would have been paying more for the venue and all the services so by condensing it to two days we've been able to keep the cost the same which is really good news welcomes amongst the the, those that are interesting i know really good news Um, so we can concentrate, we're going to be spending more on marketing to visitors to really mm-hmm. get visitors back again um, and continue that upward trend. And then we're also bringing the gala dinner and awards back to Beta International. Oh, wonderful. Um, it's in a nice September. celebration. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, we did the awards last year as part of our conference in March. And it, I, I thought it worked really well. A lot of people did. 
But there was also comments about we need we'd really like a chance to dress up and celebrate. So we yeah. said, OK, so we're going to hold it at a venue near to Stoneleigh um, and and have the gala and um, business awards um, together with Beta International. We'll be doing the seminars again. We'll be doing the new product awards and the new product showcase. So building on those, um, but then adding some bits and pieces yeah. as well. So you're not missing out on anything, even though you're reducing it to a two day event. That sounds fabulous. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. And um, also, you've kind of switched the times around with all my spoke. Smellsberg are exhibiting in February. You've moved to September. Um, Do you find that that suited you better moving to September for visitors as well, maybe? We sort of ended up there accidentally because of Mm. COVID. Um, And we're still settling down into that cycle to see how it works. Spoke hasn't run in the spring since Mm. 2019. No, oh. 20, 20, no, since 2020. So it's their first time back in the spring for three years because last year they ran at a rather odd time of July. July, didn't they? Yes, yeah. Yeah, which was a bit odd. So now they've gone back to their February. So we will get a true indication. Um, some of our clothing guys aren't that aren't as keen on September. But mm-hmm. as I always say, September worked for Spoga for 20 odd years so why shouldn't it, should, it work for Beta work International yeah. yeah exactly um so yeah but it's, it's this year is the first year we'll really truly be able to gauge this the spring versus autumn Spoga and Beta so looking forward to it Yes, well, we should say to everyone to save the date, the 10th to the 11th of September. Um, Abby will also be exhibiting there once again. Um, it's a fantastic opportunity to see our customers and to network with the trade and to hear what's, what everyone's talking about and what concerns they have and what's, um, yeah. what excites them as well. Like yeah. I said, and for people to see products. So um, you mentioned as well you're going to be injecting a lot into your marketing to get people to the show. But if you had to say sort of one sentence as to why people should attend Beta International, what would it be? Can you afford not to be there? It is your opportunity to meet and greet and see what's really happening. And for Mm. professional retailers, how can you not go to the one opportunity in the year to meet all of your suppliers under one roof and find out not only what's new, but what's core to their products? Mm hmm. So it's a really long sentence. No, I love that. I think it's, yeah. yeah. I think, I think, and that's something we've had lots of discussion with companies looking at exhibiting, or we don't have a new product. Well, actually, surely in telling your customers about what's core to your range, a lot of people come, and I was speaking to a retailer about this just last week, and she said, actually, when I look at the product range I buy from one of my wholesalers, Mm. that in day in, day out core range is key to my the business sellers. yeah and I don't Absolutely. see that often at trade fair but mm. surely that core range is what I should be seeing so that's why I'd be saying yes new products are great but actually mm. that core range is absolutely essential for a lot of that basic turnover of a business so highlight that yes yeah well uh we all do the same because we don't have many new products um just given mm. obviously what we do uh, and we always push on that is the core products that are essential to the saddle making side and the bridle making side um and they should come along and check check the quality check the range yeah. um 
So, yeah, I completely agree with that. And you have such a huge range as well. I mean, you've yeah. got a really enormous selection of products. Sometimes it's hard to narrow it down to, to to be able to display it. And we've had conversations in the past of sort of minimising the stand. But ultimately, a lot of our customers like to come and touch, as you said previously, is touching the products, getting you know, feeling feeling the weight of the buckles, for example, and and feeling mm. the quality is really important. So, um, yeah, yeah it's always and, challenging, and, challenging well, way to display them. It is, but also meeting you and and the Abbey team with all that knowledge to me is absolutely key. Yeah, well, they they um the team always love coming to speak to uh, their customers, and and learn a lot from their customers as well. Um. And sometimes we have the guys from Sedgwick joining us and their knowledge from the tannery is fantastic. So mm. it's it's a great opportunity, really, for everyone to get down. Um, one final thing, anyone, perhaps any members that aren't exhibiting but are considering, are there still places and why should they come and exhibit? A, yeah, sorry, come and exhibit. <laughs> uh, exactly. They, uh, there are still spaces. Um, Fiona, who's looking after the sales of the trade fair, is currently working her way through all of last year's exhibitors. And um, once she's done that, then we have an early booking deadline, um, a de- which after which the price goes up. So 30th of March, it's the time you really need to secure your stand to get the best rates. Then they start to go up again. There is still space. And I would say also, yes, it's a show for members, but also non-members can exhibit. So they, you just oh, get great. better rates, yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that yet. Yeah, you get better rates if you're a member, but as a non-member, you should um, consider exhibiting because, again, it is the one place at the one time of year where you can introduce your product range to the best possible range of visitors, both domestic and international. We do get overseas visitors coming in. So it is the place to introduce yourself and to find those key contacts, both retailers and wholesalers, to get your products out in the marketplace. Well, that's absolutely brilliant. So, guys, remember the 10th to the 11th of September. If you want to book as an exhibitor, no later than 30th of March to get the early bird prices. Well, that's absolutely fantastic. Claire, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Like I said, we're really grateful. Um, I know you're a busy, busy lady um, with all your other campaigns going on, but we appreciate the time immensely. So thank you to you and to all our listeners. And we will be back shortly. Thanks for listening to the Abbey England podcast. Tune in next time for more industry insights. In the meantime, head over to abbeyengland.com for all your workshop supplies.